here and ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice for your writing career To be clear, no punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me And her co-host, Matt Evan Wallace On the right, yes, she may be half as hype as she could take him in a fight So settle in, folks, buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there when you're done writing Ditch Diggers! Ditch Diggers! Coming to you live from the Ditch Diggers Weeping Closet, where Murr is hanging out because her daughter just went to college. It is the Ditch Diggers with Murr Lafferty, Matt Wallace, and special guest Sean Pryor. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing great. Excited to have Sean back on the show. Man. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back on the show. Um, you know, it's been it's, it's been a while, and uh, and like so much has changed since the last time I talked to y'all, so, uh, so thank you. Yeah, and I'm still <laughs> waiting for us to play Same. board games again. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm going to bang. got to play bang again at some point. I still remember that fondly. I cling yes. to those old fond memories now in 2020, very much so. <laughs> myself reminiscing about them a lot. I actually, um, I was at, uh, where was I? I thought I was at a, um, a video game, a place called Game Exchange, um, a few days ago, just trying to find some old video games. And this place is slowly transforming into a, video games are a small piece of what we do. Now we sell, like, you, you know, albums new and used, uh, videos new and used, televisions new and used. That's cool. It, like, they're becoming, like, an everything type, type place. And, um, and, like, they're also selling uh, board games and role-playing games and things nice. like that. And I look over in the corner, in the bottom shelf, there were like four different versions of Bang. <laughs> and I, and, I, played them too. and that's like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, that took me back to the time when we played it at, played a Bang at the, uh, at the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, that's the, like, that's the one game I remember more than anything was that one. Because like, no matter what, every time I thought I was going to get ahead, I was wrong. <laughs> That's yeah. That that's what that game is like. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, we met Sean. I don't even want to think about how long ago it was. Like okay, and then I start thinking about how long ago it was. It was several years. Yeah. Several years ago at a uh, a party thrown by a mutual friend of ours, and just meeting him on the the playing field of friend who's there to play games, and then finding out he was. Uh, writer and comic book guy and it was just awesome to find another kindred soul in a lot of the things that Matt and I like to do so uh, you know we could sit here and talk about games the whole time because Sean have you ever played Super Fight? No I haven't I've I've heard of it but I've never played it it's pretty epic it's uh it's like apples to apples and cards against humanities except it's not offensive and you're building a superhero team, and it's all it's all creative because basically you you build your you build your superhero, and then you say you have to tell a story behind it, and then mm-hmm. someone someone else tells their story behind their superhero, and then a third person at the table has to judge which one of you wins. Oh, okay. And yeah, then it, and then it goes around. Everybody gets a chance. It's Sorry another one of those fun games to play with writers where things get really really weird really really fast. Yeah. But in a good way. And, yes. Uh, we played that at the castle the last time we were there. At the castle, we were we were supposed to do that again this year, but it's one of many things that was canceled. So yeah. that's why. Yes. It, at least it's why it's on my mind. <clears throat> but yeah. yeah. 
yeah, so things are not as they were, but they will be again someday, we hope. Yeah. And we can make y'all play Super Fight at some point. That would be good. <laughs> that would really be very, so. very nice, yes. <clears throat> but yeah, Murr. Yes, man. As we mentioned earlier, and I think we need to give a little more credence to it, you took your daughter to college Yeah. just, just a few days ago. That's a big deal. It was a big deal. It was really big. Um, you know, ha- being a freshman at school is, 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 has its own issues. And then we have to throw a pandemic on top of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's tough under the most ideal of circumstances. And these are not these. Exactly. These are as we covered. Yeah. But, uh, also because of the pandemic, we couldn't enjoy the city at all together. So it was basically drive to Boston, move her in, drive home. Yeah. Right. Which kind of sucked. But um, she's there and she's doing as well as one could be expected a freshman in isolation can do. Uh, I discovered they're, they're, they're allowed to uh, go to the dining hall after one negative test. And then because they, they, can't, they can't sit together and eat with anybody and they can't uh, visit anybody, they have created the social dynamic of hanging out in line six feet apart and meeting people. Right. So it's like, even though she can't hang out with anybody new, she's making friends and making plans the next day to stand in line with people six feet apart to, to, you know, connect and stuff. So I thought that was really interesting and innovative. They're, you know, the kids who are actually following the goddamn rules are making their own way. And the ones who aren't following the goddamn rules are throwing parties and ruining it for everyone else. Right. But <laughs> yes. uh, hopefully no, man, the college can... Beautiful, yeah. That's one of those beautiful kind of life finds a way moments, you know. I'm sorry it's necessary, but it's reassuring yeah. to know that, like, especially in the case of the young who, you know, are inheriting all this bullshit from us, you know, they're figuring it out and they will continue to figure it out. That's really yeah. that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. But and, we wish Fiona all the luck in the world. We know she's going to crush it. Yeah, uh, she is. Uh, she, um, I hope she doesn't mind me talking about this. Actually, I'll ask her afterwards and then cut it out if she does. But she got a job. Found out the day we got there that she, the job she had applied for, she got. And the job is kind of like a, I don't know what the official term is. I like to call it COVID enforcer, but that's really a lot stronger than what it is because <laughs> they want kids to walk around campus and spot people who may not be distancing or have masks on and talk to them, not, not, not be a narc, not be an asshole, just talk to them, give them masks if they need it, etc. And, um, she packed her plague doctor mask and, uh, she, she had her first orientation today and she brought it up that she had it and they said she could wear it. So she's literally going around campus in a plague doctor mask talking to people. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I think they want her to like, they want the program to get its footing, so she can't do it, like, on day one. Right. But, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, my daughter's going to be the one walking around in a plague doctor mask, telling people about COVID and handing out masks. <laughs> I'm so proud. Conversation. I'm like, well, Fiona, no, it's, it's cool. Just maybe not not the plague mask on the first day. That's all we <laughs> You know? Yes. Let people get adjusted to your presence, and then then you can break out the uh, the plague mask. No, yeah. I think that's amazing. That's your daughter. That's that definitely... is that is. <laughs> so yeah, we're uh, we're dealing with the child sized hole in the house, and 
Uh, it was harder than I expected at the first day, but then it's getting easier. Right. Acclimating. So, um, that's good at least. Like anything, man. It's time. You know, that's all it's gonna. That's all it's gonna do. It. It's all that heals anything ever. Yep. But you know, let's help you cope by talking to Sean. Yes, <laughs> love talking to Sean. Check out my segue skills. And, and get, getting sharper every episode, man. <laughs> I know. And one day I won't call attention to it. But uh, yeah, I wanted to have Sean back on the show. First of all, like you said, just because we fucking we like you, Sean. But also to talk about something I think a lot of uh, creators want to hear more about, even even though we're all used to it, the idea of it. I think a lot of creators still struggle with approaching it. Yes. Uh, and that's you know crowdfunding as a general thing, and then more specifically using Kickstarter to crowdfund things. And yeah. uh, you've got one of those going on right now, don't you, Sean? Uh, yes, I do. Um, it is for a storybook uh, that deals with a very um, very serious topic, uh, the topic of uh, domestic violence. And the book is called The Fire Within, a story about domestic violence. And um, it it focuses on a young child. By the name by the name of Andre, who is the narrator of the story, and um, and he's talking about his mother's second marriage and how the um, and how this time you know life is supposed to be different. Uh, this you know it's going to be happier times for my mom, um, you know you know happy times for me. Everything's going to be fine, um, and come to find out, it's not. It's not fine. And um, his mother um, is a victim of domestic violence uh, from from um from his stepfather and so you see all the pain that andre holds um the help that he wants to give because he wants to you know get his mom away from this and also he wants to be away from this but you know he's a child so he feels powerless and and so the story talks about how children are affected or how this one child is affected by domestic violence and I wanted this storybook to serve as kind of like a kind of kind of a gateway for both children and adults to talk about domestic violence more often this is this is different than anything I've ever done before um you know I've written comics and comics graphic novels I've written kids prose um I've written uh children's storybooks but I've never written anything like this before Man, that's as heavy and also amazing. So is that? Uh, I mean, and we'll get into it a little more later. You know, you're not you're not new to Kickstarter, and we'll talk about that. But is that specifically why you chose to go this route of uh, crowdfunding and doing it yourself, as opposed to trying to shop it around anywhere? Or did you try yes. to shop it around anywhere first, or was it always going to be um, independent? I wanted to um, because because like I recently just signed with a literary agency, so for like the first time. I'm ever in my 13 years of being a creative, I actually have an agent now. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, Kelly uh, is amazing and she's great and I'm happy. Who are you with, with, Sean? Hmm? Who are you with? Oh, who am I with? I'm sorry. Uh, I am with the uh, Andrea Brown Literary Agency and I'm represented by Kelly Sonic. Nice. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, Shout thank out you, to Kelly, who has made a wise decision picking up. No kidding. <laughs> thank you, thank you, y'all. Um, she, um, like, she's seen the fire within, and she, you know, and, and she really dug it. And but, like, right now, we're focusing on, on a graphic novel pitch 
um, for a different type of story, something else that I've never been able to do before, but I've been excited to do uh, with artist uh, Courtney Hahn. And so like right now, that's the number one focus at the moment. But like I told her, I said, listen, I'm going to go put this out as a Kickstarter because I want to create like a hardcover for it. Um, you know, and so if something happens and like, you know, some momentum builds up or if a publisher is, is interested, um, you know, I can let you know. She's like, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I said, OK, cool. So, you know, because like as always, it's not like I have five minutes on a Tuesday. Um, <laughs> but, um, so I wanted to make it a hardcover because I want this book to be able to be passed around. Um mm-hmm. And so it will have some life, some extended life. And so as opposed to like, you know, a paperback, um, a paperback version, which can get torn and, and, you know, and damaged, you know, a lot quicker. So um, and I found like a nice printer here in the United States that's going to be able to do it, um, you know, at a decent price. So I figured, you know, like now that I'm in this like new phase of like my career and trying to be creative, like trying to be even more creative than than I already have been. I thought that like it was a perfect time, um, even amidst everything that 2020 has delivered to us. Hmm. Um, I thought that it was a good time to do this. I mean, it may be the perfect time in a lot of ways, my for my own humble opinion on it. But that's that's really do that's great. Um, and also, we should say I didn't even mention this. Totally working backwards here. Like the Kickstarter for the Fire Within has already been funded. Correct. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we got funded in seven days um shout out to uh to t franklin who got on the horn on twitter and started uh making the big push letting people know because like my social media is okay you know it's it's a, it's you know it's a decent following and people support me the best they can but and but t who is also the editor of the fire within was like no 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 no, no. we're not going to have this this is going to get this is going to get backed and fully supported damn it let's go and she just got on the horn and like in and, and it was fully funded in seven days and um, and and now we're like in the stretch goal arena right now, and um, and so we're about as of this recording, we're about two hundred and like two hundred and sixty something dollars away from reaching our first stretch goal, and and if we reach that first stretch goal, we'll get four, we'll add four more pages to the book, and um, and that's like so if we get to four thousand, we get four more pages for everybody. Everybody gets four more pages in their book. Um, if we get to five thousand, another four pages. Uh, we get to six thousand, we'll upgrade the quality of the book, the paper quality and the uh, cover quality. Um, and if we get to like seven thousand, I have um, a very talented artistic friend of mine that has a book, um, a very fun, uh, very fun book called a Frame Window that I want to give to readers. And, um, and if we get to eight thousand, um, T. Franklin uh, has a mini comic that she said, you know, let's, you know, I want to do something, I want to help. And I said, okay, cool. And so she wanted to do a um, mini comic that also deals with domestic violence. And we wanted to give that to backers as well. So, but like, that's if we reach all these stretch goals. So, but, um, but like, I've, you know, been very positive. Um, it's nice having the pressure off of you because, you know, you've made it per se, but yeah. at the same time, yeah. at the same time, you want to hit these stretch goals and it's just like, go, come on more people let's go let's go so you know but um patience is a virtue and um and i remain and i remain patient some days it's harder than others but, <laughs> well, as of as of today uh you've got 15 days to go so you've got plenty of room um we'll try to get this up fast so you can give you more um <laughs> yeah not that you need the help apparently I just oh. love hey it you want 
get Sean on so we can hype his Kickstarter and help him. Sean's like, I don't need ditch diggers. I'll get back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And, you know, spreading the word is always a big deal because I know my reach as an individual only goes so far. And so, like, right. I'm, I'm thankful when, you know, when other folks, you know, you know, allow me to, like, be on their platforms, too. That means a lot, you know, because, um, you know, because spreading the word never hurts. It always helps. So I'm thankful. Can I ask a logistical question, a little bit of a tangent here? By all means. Um, as a writer, you, you've, you've got this thing done. So what happens if it's stretch goal? I mean, how do you, I mean, maybe it's a comic book thing, but it's like, if I write a story and I say the stretch goal is four more pages, I'm thinking, where am I putting them? What am I adding to the story? I mean, that, that sounds, that sounds very difficult. Is it? Um, well, it all depends. Now in this situation, um, when I, I originally wrote this story, and I, let me. I'll, I'll give. I'll give some background. This story was originally supposed to be a like a four-page uh, backup um, backup story in um, T. Franklin's miniseries Juke Joint, and that series unfortunately didn't get finished due to production issues. And so my, you know, so my story um, with artist George Cambadays never saw the light of day. And T was like, "Well, this is yours. So here, here's your story." She was, and she, you know. She felt back. She was just like, I really wanted people to see this. And she and I said, well, people will still be able to see this. I said, I have an idea. The way that George laid out the story, um, I looked at it and when I was reading it, it's very emotional. It you know, has like a lot of depth. It has a lot of heart and a lot of soul to it. And I said, you know what? I said, we can do, be we can do better than how it's put together right now. I said, if people read this as a standard comic, they're going to read through this too fast. and They're not going to get the, the, the true effect of the story. So I said, let me break this down. Let me turn this into a storybook. So by turning it into a storybook, I was able to take panels, break them down into individual pages in order for it to have a stronger, lasting effect to make people read the book slower make people pay more attention to the images and the emotions and the vibes that the book is trying to give. Now, to answer your question, um, when I originally wrote this story, um, I wrote extra con I wrote extra I wrote extra stuff in it and then I had to chop it down. So only thing I need to do is is just go back to my script and say, okay, this is where this was going to go in the original story. And George, if we reach our stretch goal, George can draw and color it, and I can just slide it on in with no problem because I still have the original script before it got chopped down. Interesting. Well, that's awesome. Hitting the stretch goals will allow you to like do the fullest expression of the storybook as as you originally intended. Then. Correct. So you're, yes. You're not shoving new stuff in. You're actually letting people see it as it was meant to to as you wrote it. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Yes, indeed. Oh yeah, so you know, so like, um, I hope we're able to do that um, because I, I really like the story itself. Like, if you read it right now, if you read it right now, it would still completely make sense. You would still get those emotional notes and and feelings. But I think by adding those additional pages, it can bring even it can bring even more to it in a in a very yeah. I just sorry, tongue tied. I feel it could bring even more to the story, and I think readers would. Would, would like that no absolutely and i think i i think just from a like a like a format medium kind of perspective it can be hard for people who do prose to kind of get their head around the fact that 
for you, adding more pages to this thing is is more complicated than just writing more words and sticking them in. Like they need to be illustrated, they need to be colored. It's a whole process to like get this thing realized. So mm-hmm. I think when we hear that, we we process it a little differently than if we were like uh, deeply ingrained comics creators. Um, but yeah, no. So what I so what I'd really like to get into, uh, Sean, if you don't mind, yeah. is uh, kind of more fundamental stuff around Kickstarter in particular, because like this is not the first successful Kickstarter you've been a part of. You've been a part of several successful mm-hmm. Kickstarters in the past. Yes, yes. And uh, like I said at the outset, I think Kickstarter, even as as much as we're acclimated to it, still intimidates a lot of creators. So I was just wondering if you could talk about maybe some basics of it, like. If I'm a writer who wants to do a novel, I want to do a comic, I want to do a game, I know those are all very different things, but, but if I want to crowdfund on Kickstarter a thing that I've created or want to create, how do I start to go about it? How do I start to get my head around just the process of getting it going? Okay, cool. No, no, no. That That's actually a fantastic question. So, um, yeah, okay, let's break it down. Like, say, for instance, like, as someone like, like me, like, who's done comics, who's done mostly comics and graphic novels on 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 kickstarter my whole thing is is that one you got to have patience two you have to know who your audience is and 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 who you're actually targeting as you know and who you're actually targeting because a lot of times i've seen people put out projects that are fantastic but because they don't know who their target audience is it gets lost in the storm right um i've seen that happen a lot the other thing is also what a lot of first-time crowdfunders struggle with is, okay, let's say I don't, let's say I've, you know, I, I've, you know, I'm this is my first ever Kickstarter, and social media is basically your advertising platform, okay? Right. Like, yes, you can go get some Facebook ads. Yes, you can go get some Twitter ads, and that stuff, you know, come and go can help, can hurt, it can help or hurt you, but. Um, the thing is this, let's say that I had like 300 followers, okay, um, and on, on Twitter and maybe 200 on Facebook, 50 on Instagram. Okay, so that means your reach isn't going to go that far unless right. somebody popular or well-known sees your tweet and retweets it. Right. So I always tell people for your first project, just to get a hang of things, start small. Let start small, have a small goal that's reachable. And, you know, and then you could put in some incentives. You can put in some stretch goals and whatnot, but start small so you can learn how to really build your Kickstarter. Can, um, I, can I ask you to elaborate a little bit? Because what is yeah. start small? Does that mean cover your production or how, how would you, how goal. do you define? In terms of the goal, is that like just have a monetary goal that's smaller and more reachable? Yes, yes. A monetary goal that's smaller and more, and more reachable. Here's a perfect example. Let's say you made a comic. Let's say you made a like a 28-page comic. You already paid for it out of pocket. It's it's already it's already paid for, and you're like, I just want to get this in the hands of more people. But you need but like you need somebody to cover your printing costs. Mm-hmm. So you say, okay, well, you know what? I want to raise like a thousand dollars for printing. Because let's say you just want to have a, a lot of copies, depending yeah. on where you print your book, because you also have to account for shipping costs, too. Yeah. OK, so let's say, OK, I'm just doing this in the States. I'm not shipping anything overseas. Um, I want to you know, I want to print like X amount of copies of this book. Let's say I want to raise a thousand dollars. So thousand dollars is an attainable goal. 
Um, you know, and so that way you can you know you spread the word, build slow. You're not setting yourself up to fail. You're right. setting you're setting yourself up to learn how to run a Kickstarter. So you know, and maybe your first time doing a Kickstarter instead of running it for thirty days, you run it for thirty five. Because uh, okay. it gives you're just giving yourself additional time to breathe and also additional time to learn. You know, to like learn the ropes and and actually because you're going to take some bumps, you're going to have moments where you may not get any pledges that day. Right. You know, it, it may be silent for a day or two. I, I've had that happen on, num- on numbers of Kickstarters. But then you'll have those days where it's like overwhelming and like you have all these pledges coming in. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. And and so it can be a lot. So give yourself room to breathe. And also. And I know if I and I apologize if I'm just going all over the place. No, uh, no, it's great. Um, the other thing I always tell people is that, like, say, for instance, if you're doing a publishing project or no matter what project you have, if there is a like an actual physical copy of something, if you can have a digital version, that's a blessing, period. Right. And the reason why is because it doesn't cost you anything um, like a digital comic doesn't cost me anything. Thing. I just use Adobe Acrobat, make the PDF, and so if I charge X amount of dollars for the PDF, okay, that's something I don't have to ship. That's you know, that's just something I give via a Dropbox link. You know, and it'll be very appealing to people because you know who doesn't want a digital copy now, nowadays? Right, 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 exactly. And so um, that's why, like, say for instance, for all, all my projects, I've always offered digital copies, and I understand why some people don't. Right. You know, it's, it's it's their choice, and I, I get it. I, I I understand, but um, but for me, it's a thing of it's like, well, why leave money on the table? You yeah, know, absolutely. why That's leave? Money? You know, and so um, and like, there's some people that are like, okay, I'll give you a PDF, or and I'll give you a like a .dot epub file too. You know, so you have options of it. You like, you have options available to make extra money for your Kickstarter that don't cost you anything. So my personal opinion is, don't leave like. You know, don't leave that at the table. Take it with you. Um, you know, always take it with you because, like I said, like comics is something. Comics and storybooks and publishing, like on Kickstarter, is something that is always going, always ongoing. There's always people putting, you know, pledging because it's a thing of people that do stuff for Kickstarter are presenting their projects to audiences that have been clamoring to be heard and represented. No, I think that's another good uh, good point to get into too. Um, before that, though, I just don't want to t- I do want to touch on what like great advice you started off with because I really do feel like a lot of people feel like Kickstarter is something you can't take for a test drive. You know, it's like people get overwhelmed with the idea that they have to be ready to shoot their one shot with their first Kickstarter, and that's just such like a false narrative to give yourself. I love that you're telling people like start small build you can do more kickstarters after this i think that's a really really important point to cover and something not mm-hmm. a lot of people really get you know oh yeah oh yeah definitely because and i apologize for cutting you off but um before i lose this train of thought here's the other reason why here's the other reason reason why like say for instance you do like a like a thousand dollar kickstarter and you end up you get like two thousand five hundred dollars well now when people look at you like when you do a second kickstarter down the line People will look at your previous one and say, wow, they were like 200 something percent funded. Wow. OK, they, you know, they, they got results. OK, I, you know, and like a lot of people look at stuff like that. A lot of people look at um, how much people were funded 
not you know not just the money total, but like the percentages, because people love looking at numbers. Of course, um, oh, it's like sales <laughs> numbers and publishing or anything else. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it gives oh, you yeah. instant credibility and it gives you you know reputation too. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's another reason to start small. Like I've seen like a lot of people on Kickstarter have like um like like little like comic projects that like five hundred, eight hundred. 900 bucks and they end up you know being like double or triple funded so now they look and so now when you look at their projects from afar it's like wow 300 percent funded 200 percent funded 400 percent funded and it's like and and you know from an analytic standpoint it looks very smart absolutely and the dollar amount might not be that much you know held against some others but like still you're looking at like a number like 800 percent you know you're gonna every, your average person gonna step back and go wow man they crushed that you know they yep. know what they're doing yeah that's really oh, yeah. Very, very, very good point. <clears throat> so I have a question about money. Um, yes. And this this could be me just totally projecting. I've done one Kickstarter. Uh-huh. But it seemed to me, and uh, it was nine years ago, so <laughs> things may have changed. But um, it seemed to me that people get a little uh, fussy about the idea that you make money on Kickstarter. Not that you cover your costs, uh-huh. but that you actually make money as a creative. I mean, what you said, all the things you said about covering production costs because nothing else costs you anything. Well, you if you make the EPUB in Adobe, uh, whatever the hell Adobe one you said, there's so many Adobe's out there and they always yes. want to upgrade themselves whenever I want to just do one quick thing. But that's another story. Um, <laughs> but that's your time. And yeah. we, we like to be paid for our time. and But but I remember, I don't think I got a lot of heat, but I heard about people getting heat about having really successful Kickstarters with people going like, well, what are you going to do with all that money? I mean, you, it's, it, it's not worth that. It, and they like give the person crap for making above their production costs and maybe pocketing a little bit. Is that still happening or has that changed? Um. It's it's changed, but like it all depends. It all depends. Um, here's a perfect example. As of today, literally today, uh, Boom Studios uh, launched a Kickstarter for a project that they announced a couple of months ago. It's a project created by Keanu Reeves. It's written by Matt Kent, and it's I want to say the art is uh, is it Ron Garney? I believe. I, I think so. Well, and it's, you know, it's based off an idea by Keanu Reeves. And so they announced this a few months ago. And uh, the person that runs, like one, one of the uh, higher ups at, at Boom, uh, Ross Ritchie, said that, you know, we, you know, we don't, you know, we've got money. We've, we've got money and we're good. And so, um, you know, everybody's going to be taken care of. So today they launched a Kickstarter. Um, the goal was $50,000. And is you know for said book and they're like well we're going to have all these limited edition versions da 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 uh you know of the graphic novel series there's going to be three or four graphic novels in this series each graphic novel is like 120 something odd pages and and so when you publicly say well we've got the money we don't you know we don't need to crowdfund and then go do a crowdfund like it's it rubs people the wrong way especially a company of that stature that has a first look deal with Netflix, I believe, because it used to be 20th Century Fox, but then that ended after the buyout. Um, so people get like a little, some people get cautious. Other people are like, yo, just just take my money. 
But for the most part, but for the most part, that stuff's really quieted quieted down because there are so many people who, you know, who literally didn't go through the, you know, the you know, the system of being a professional working for like a bigger company here or a bigger company there and becoming a star and then saying I want to do something original that like nobody really wants to touch but I think this could be something. So let me go ahead and use my celebrity or use my popularity in order to get this funded. Um, but like with stuff like with boom, it's a little, it's just a little bit different. It's it's because some people are rubbed the wrong way. Other people are just like, and eh, whatever, it's a cool project. I want to give my money, but that stuff is, it's, it's pretty rare now. I think in the beginning, in the beginning, the first few years of Kickstarter, you know, I, I really think people didn't know how to take that. Yeah. And, um, you know, and the perfect, and also when people did stuff like the potato salad guy, um, <laughs> right. like, and the thing is, what people, a lot of people didn't know is that he did, like, uh, him and his group did other Kickstarters in the past, you know, in the past as well, like these just weird analytical type things, like that potato salad one. It was this weird analytical thing, and people were just like, oh, that's silly. I'll just give it money. And it, and it irritated a lot of people. It really did, you know, and, like, I was a little ir- irritated, and I was just like, well, what is the purpose of this? You know. Right. I remember that. I, you know, you, I think you get... In in with with what you're talking about, you get into that perceptual thing of people saying this should be a platform for independent creators to make artistic works. It shouldn't be a platform for companies to come in and basically use it as a pre-order system for something, which is totally different. Or people to come in and monetize memes when other people are like breaking their asses to make this like these big serious works. Um, right. And, you know, I, I get that. I am glad that I mean, at least I hope that like on the side of the independent creators people have lightened up a little bit on giving them crap at the idea that they oh. might make a little money for themselves. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah, that, that attitude has really changed. Seriously, like, it, it, it's really changed. Like, you really, you really don't, you don't really hear that. Like, the only time you really hear stuff like that is when it's creators that people constantly give money to that still have yet to this day fulfilled their projects. Yeah, and I can totally, I can totally see how perceptually that, that could be different, like you said, rub people the wrong way. But I guess everything's individualistic, and you got to look at it. Um, uh, Sean, you touched a little bit earlier on uh, kind of representation, using Kickstarter to do projects uh, to give people things that they don't normally see in like mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And this kind of got me wondering about the difference between Kickstarter audience and the audience for more mainstream commercially released work. And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on the difference between those two audiences and how they're different and how to appeal to them. And just that whole kind of kind of. Do you think there is a difference between those two audiences? First of all, uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit. I think a lot of it just has to do with. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that you see on Kickstarter that's independently put out there can be mainstream if it was given the opportunity. Oh, of um, course, yeah. And and there have been plenty of things on there. It's just like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's going to blow up and become something just something incredible. Um, and I've seen that with like a lot of comic stuff too. There have been like. You know, many comic book comic book Kickstarters over the years where it's like, oh, okay, this really had a really big following. It's done really well. And then it ends up at publisher XYZ. And, you know, and that kicks off, no pun intended, that kicks off, you know, said creator, creative team's careers. Um, but um, I think for like the Kickstarter audience thing, like you are legitimately targeting, you're targeting your specific audience for your story and you're talking to your you're like followers on social media that follow you, you know, that follow you and say, this is what I'm making. This is what I'm doing. I hope you believe in this project as much as I do. Um, and, and please support me. 
Um, as opposed to like, as far as, you know, you're dealing with like a mainstream company, that's a thing of like, they're going to find the target audience. They're going to find the age group. Um, they're going to find like the racial demographic. Um, they're going to figure out, okay, are we doing television ads for this while it's publishing? We're probably not going to spend much money on advertising anyway. Um, but, um, (laughs) but like they're going to, they're going to break down everything into an Excel spreadsheet. Um, to to try to reach as many people as possible, whereas with Kickstarter, it's literally you, your audience that follows you, and people that um, that your subject might touch. And like to me, that's the big that's that's the big difference. If that makes sense. No, it totally does, and that's something that I think we definitely talk about on the show a lot. Uh, sort of that idea of like direct marketing building your audience and your direct connection to that audience. And I mean, that that is, you know, we talk about it in terms, or at least I have, I'm not speaking for murder, um, like in terms of like building a newsletter if you're an author and building your own mailing list. So mm-hmm. I think this is a version of that because on Kickstarter, you do get to talk directly to your audience. Like you said, you're posting updates, you're communicating directly with, uh, with the people who are really into what you're doing. So I think it's a just, it's another version of that. It's something that I think we espouse very uh at least again i do very uh deeply on the show because i really believe in it so definitely it's also an intimacy thing when you back somebody on kickstarter or patreon or any crowdfunding thing it's like you're in the inner circle you're different than the people who just come across it in the store it's like you have directly handed the author or the creator your hard-earned money and said hey i like your shit and they you know and they know that you that person are actually a supporter instead of just somebody who just picked it up because it might have looked cool. We want those people too, but Mm -hmm. I think one thing crowdfunding has given us is that feeling of uh, being closer to the creator. Yes, yes. And and it's also a thing of like, okay, if this ever blow, if this thing ever blows up or becomes something super major, I have the original version. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's like, you know, like, for them, it's like I helped. I helped something become um, become real. In, in other words, like I helped get this. I helped bring this to life. So they have a piece. Like they have a piece of that. And um, and like and that and that means a lot to people. Um, and for some people, it's like I just want to help support creative people because you know we don't support the arts enough as a country. Yeah. You know, like everybody's got everybody's got their own reasons uh you know to like back projects like a lot of times it's like like i've backed i've backed a lot of projects actually i was gonna bring that up later so okay (laughs) yeah so so yeah like i've i've backed a good number of projects sometimes i'm like well i would really like that i don't have room for that in my house so you know what i'll just back without a reward or okay yeah i can get the digital version of this oh man that's really cool okay i want all of that and i'm just like what am i (laughs) I, you know, I'm like, I'm like, what am I doing? Where am I going to put this stuff in the house? But, um, you know, it's just that I guess like for, for me, as far as support goes, like I always want to continue to pay it forward. And and like these doing projects, doing Kickstarter projects allows me to make sure that, you know, the creative team is taken care of, um, you know, the backers are going to get taken care of. It provides opportunities for people, too. And because that's my whole thing. I, I, I love to give when I can, and I also love to 
you know, try to give opportunities to people that may not have been able to get that shot or at the same time try to expose people to new to like newer talent or talent that's been around. I'm like, well, how come you don't know about X, Y, Z? OK, let me introduce you to this artist here, um, you know, and so like so I get like a lot of joy out of that. Um, you know, um, you know, I get a lot of joy from that. Yeah, you get four hundred and ten people jo projects joy. I see the thing is when when I look at Kickstarter and I see somebody making something, I do look at what they've created in the past and see if they can actually, you know, manage to create the thing they claim they can. But mm -hmm. also, I look and see what else they have done to give back to the community. Like, have they said, crowdfunding's awesome, I support it, I'd like to be part of it. Or if they come in here and you're looking, it tells you how many people, how many projects you've created and how many projects you've backed. Sean, do you know offhand what your number is? No, I don't. 410. Oh. You, have, <laughs> you have backed 410 creators on Kickstarter. That's amazing. Mm. Uh, I, I, I will honestly say that probably from 2009 or to 2010 to about 2014 was probably 300 of those. <laughs> um, Still, it's like, you know, that's... It, it gives you credibility that, that you know, is not, uh, maybe it, it takes somebody who knows Kickstarter to know that that means credibility, but I think it's kind of a big deal. I really don't like it when I see somebody who wants my money and they haven't supported anybody else on this platform they haven't done anything in they haven't looked into crowdfunding to see how they can help other creators and that's uh that turns me off but you've got like seven created 410 backed and that's really impressive so you're good sean Don't you're worry. good nope. sean you got the credibility <laughs> we approve oh thank you thank <laughs> no but that, no seriously man that hits on a really important the, again another important thing i think which is and i think you're representative of a lot of people on kickstarter who support those kind of projects like they don't want that cold corporate experience of being treated like a customer by people who don't have any investment in the community or in supporting what they're doing and like that perception matters that's why people might get pissed at like a boom studios for doing what they're doing so you know, you want to make people feel involved in something and not necessarily just treat them like a customer. And that's right. very specific to crowdfunding and to Kickstarter in general and something that people need to understand if they're going to, like, seriously try to do this. Oh, yeah, definitely. I always, I always tell people, it's just like, listen, just be straight up with folks. Um, be straight up with your backers. Because the thing is, we all make mistakes. We, we, you know, we all make mistakes. Sometimes things aren't going to be done on the date that you said they were going to be done. But as long as you're honest with people and let them know and keep them up to date on things, right. people for the most part are very, are very patient and kind, you, yeah. you know. And so, um, and people will be understanding if you're just up, if you're just honest with them. And, um, and that's, and that's a big help. Cause like I always tell people, like, look, I don't ever want people to think that I, that I ever take them for granted because they don't have to back my projects, but they do. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm grateful and I'm appreciative of that. Um, but, um, it's a thing of, it's just like, I just want to make sure that they know I appreciate them. I'm going to take care of them because I want them to come back. Well, you know, right, of course. Yeah. You know, I want them to come back because, like, the thing is, I, like, I was talking with um, a friend of mine last, a couple weeks ago. And now, you know, now that I have a, liter uh, a literary agent, he's like, oh, okay, so you're going to go freelance now? You know, this, you know you're going to start your writing career full time? And I said, um, it's 2020. Have you looked outside <laughs> your window? <laughs> 
Um, and, you and see second, the fire falling from the sky, man? Come on. Right, right, right. And I said, second, I said, listen, I like my job. It has good health care. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not leaving. I, I'm not leaving this job. I was like, I was like, if I quit my job, I might as well just go dig a hole and bury myself <laughs> oh, right now because it's over. It's over. Um, you know, because like I always, and like because he's like, I don't understand. I was like, I was like, this game, this game, this creative game is a marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now. I spent the first 13 years on this marathon on my own. And like I've had ups, I've had ups, I've had downs, I've had I almost quits and, th- and things of that nature. And now, you know, and like just like a lot of money just either disappear or no money come at all. And now I'm at the point in my career where, yes, I can I can now get work, not just in comics, but doing other you know but doing other types of writing writing work whether it be prose whether it be children's books whether it be um you know historical graphic novels you you name it i can do it and and but not only that but also still do my own projects too and so and like i I just have that creative flexibility and freedom now for like really the first time in my career i really feel secure in my talent and my ability and so i need to like build on that and if I just gave up on everything else, I literally, I, I would just be gone. <laughs> you know, everything I would, everything would just fade. I'm like, listen, dreams don't pay a mortgage, right? You know, it's it's good to have dreams. It's great to have goals. They, but like, getting stuff fulfilled gets you closer to where you want to be. Period. Um, you know, like, cause so I can't leave my job. Like, you know, I this is right. this is a process. And you don't need to. And I think another thing, a good thing to point out there is like you've achieved some big goals right there. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not it's not about this. And we talk again, it's something we talk about on the show all the time. It's not this one arbitrary goal of I want to write full time writing this one kind of thing. And that's the only benchmark for success as a writer or creative. Mm -hmm. Like you hit a big goal if you got rep now. You've got help. You've got the ability to diversify your portfolio creatively, diversify your revenue streams, do pro more projects you want to do. You have the stability to do that. That, to me, is one of the huge goals of doing this uh, professionally. And you hit it, man. So that's that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It is. Oh, yeah, it's... it's something important for people to realize. You know, it's not it's like what you're talking about. It isn't something that I mean, you know, you still have aspirations. We all still have things we want to get to beyond that. Be also to realize that was a victory too. That's not just a piece of the puzzle. That's a big. That's a big piece of a bigger puzzle, in, in my opinion. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, this this marathon is ongoing, and yeah. so um, so yeah, I'm replacing my shoes and putting on a new pair. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, um, I, you know, it seems like you've got a an agent who is has her eyes open to publishing today which basically is if the publisher doesn't like what i'm writing my fans may and i'm going to publish that and you can either support me or no or don't and i've seen more and more agents be open to that which Mm -hmm. you know makes me happy i know um i interviewed somebody i want to say tobias buckel a while back where he was talking about how his agent still supported his self-pub stuff because they could sell foreign rights Yes. Or something. And so I wanted to know, um, you've done a whole lot of small press and self-pub things, but now that you have a literary agent, where are you going when you move forward? 
Um, well, when I move forward, um, you know, like I said, I'm creating original projects that hopefully a publisher, um, you know, publishing house will take. Um, also, still still doing work work for hire um, as well. As a matter of fact, um, just uh, signed. Uh, I'm about to sign some contracts to do continue to do work for Capstone, um, doing a, a children's a children's story book for them, um, a uh, pro, uh, sports prose novel for them, and a. Um, okay. Nice. And a uh, and a and a scary a scary story graphic novel for them and like their graphic novels are like thirty something pages, and so um so I'll you know I'll be doing that and so like the thing is the nice thing when I when I had my conversation my like my second conversation with with Kelly, um, you know she said you know where do you, like how do you see this going, and I said you know I was like the first year. The first year, I'm going to continue to do work for hire work, and I hope that you know I'm able to do work for hire, and like at all types of places. And I said I, I want to also create my own projects in the hopes that we can get a book deal. I said year two, you know, hopefully you know the work for hire projects are like at high prestigious places, um, with like you know with things that like I really I really truly love and enjoy. Not saying that what I'm doing right now I don't I don't enjoy because I do. Um, but like, you know, hopefully be at high, you know, at high prestige places and, you know, maybe we have another book deal. Maybe we have some other concepts that like, you know, I'm, you know, we're trying to publish, you know, I'm doing some Kickstarters for other stuff and, you know, because that's, that's me. I can't, I can't let that piece of me go. <laughs> and, and then, you know, by the time we get to year five, by the time we get to year five, you know, I hope that, you know, I have a career where I can just say, this is what I'm going to do period and my agent says okay let's go let's go talk to these companies and let's and let's do this um you know and where i can say this is what i would like is this possible um let's get a deal done like like i said i, I told her i said listen i was like this is going to be like a 10-year journey I, I, you know because I, I was like nothing's going to come overnight and that's still something that i'm still learning because i feel like i'm playing this in- incredible game of catch-up and i even talked to y'all about it on you know on twitter um oh, yeah oh yeah you know, because like you know, I'm I'll be 45 in September. Um, well, this month I'll be 45, and and like for me, I always tell always tell people I was like, for me, it's different because one, I'm black, and what I mean by that is is that it's always tougher for us to get into places. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, we can't get into a spot when we're young. And so a lot of times we feel when we finally get to the certain spot, the certain place, we're like, okay, we got to play. We got to catch up right now because, you know, they didn't get to see the best of me in my 20s, the best of me in my 30s, da, 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 da. They, I, I got to catch up. I got to go right. I got to get these deals right now. I got to go, 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 go. When the reality, the reality is, is that you're going to do what you can, how you can, when you can. Your time is your time. Um, you know, there's always going to be people that shoot past you, but just because they shoot past you doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to get where you're going, where you need to be. But it's just tough because there's never been a level, there's never truly been a level playing field for us. Yeah. So you just always feel at a disadvantage. So when you finally get to that spot, it's like, okay, why, you know, why don't we have the deal yet? Why haven't we done this yet? Why hasn't this happened yet? And like, I, you know, talked with like a lot of friends and a lot of people very close to me and like they're just like sean i know it's rough and i know you feel it's not fair but your time is coming 
You just got to work at it. Now, sometimes when you hear your time is coming, depending on who says it, you either <laughs> appreciate it or B, you really want to tell them, pardon my French, shut the fuck up. Yes. You don't have to pardon your French on this show. Say what okay. you need to. <laughs> so, so, so we both felt that shut the fuck up in our hearts, Mur and me, and I will yeah. speak for Mur on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, so it's just, um, so like I'm really just trying to come to peace with, you know, the projects that I want to make will be made. Um, you know, how I define success is on my own terms, not anyone else's. And like, I want to make sure that when this is all said and done, when this is all said and done, people see who I am, not what they think I am and not what they think I'm supposed to be. I want them to know who I am and you know, in, on my terms. And, um, and like, I hope, I hope that people are able to see that. Man, that's a fucking goal right there. Yeah, it really is. And we, we, we've been talking for 52 minutes, which is usually when Matt and I like to, uh, wrap things up. But Sean, I really, I I gotta ask, and this may take longer, but the fact that you must have blown your agent's goddamn mind when you went up with your five-year plan. Because I don't know what I'm doing next year. And I <laughs> I have this feeling that it's like the internet changes so fast that yeah. any plan you have may be completely moot. It's like mm-hmm. if you made a plan in 2005 that didn't include social media, which didn't exist in 2005, your five-year plan was shot. That's yeah. bullshit. But... <laughs> It's like, but you're looking at, you're looking at what you've created and what you want to create and what you think you can create and you, you, you have this plan. So can you give us like a tiny bullet point list or something on how do you do that plan? Um, sure. Um, let me see, let me see if I can, let me see if I can break this down. Like, so say for instance, like, okay. And I hope this. I hope I truly hope this answers the question because I, I'll be I, I'll be maintaining my nine to five. That's not changing. Sure. So say for instance, like okay, right now here's a perfect example. Okay, I have three books. I have three books that are going to be due over. Where's that? Where's that notepad note? There it is. Ta-da. Okay. So <laughs> here's an example. Here's an example. So this like uh, the one the scary story graphic novel. The outline was due yesterday. I turned that in on time. I was like, hooray. Um, that manuscript is due in November. Um, I have I have revisions for a history a history book um, about um, the Greensboro lunch counter sit-ins. Those revisions are due on the twentieth, and that was a book that's actually been in like in the works for like probably nine months now. Um, there is a kids sport like a kids uh, a kids story book that outlines due on the on the twenty fifth of this month, but the manuscript is due in due in de- late December. Um, the prose, the prose novel is like 10,000 words, uh, outline is due on the 11th of this month. Manuscript is due in December. Okay. Well, now on top of that, there is, uh, I'll be doing another Kickstarter in October, in, uh, late October for Ignition issue two. Um, cause I did a Kickstarter for Ignition issue one a few months ago. I start shipping out those rewards later this m- month. Um, now on top of that, also writing, like I said, we've I've turned in the revised synopsis to the graphic novel project that I'm working on with Courtney Hahn. My agent has that, and we're getting the pitch package ready, and you know, and hoping you know we can you know we can get we can just reach that goal and get that win. So then you know I'm slowly you know 
just slowly writing out the script as I go for that, you know, and then once we know what we got, boom, okay, we start to work on that and piece that out and break that down. Now, on top of that, I'm slowly working on like a couple other like little projects, like smaller projects, like min- like mini comics, eight pages, twelve pages, and they just I, and I'll just outline those ideas as I go. Um, I have a personal project with a longtime friend of mine um, where he like he sent me this screenplay, and I can't say what it's about, but when I read it, I was like, this is really dope, and he said. You know, he's just like, John, you're broke. I'm broke. Um, can you can we do this as a comic? I said, well, maybe we can take it the crowd, the crowdfunding route in 2021. So I said, let me slowly break this down and break this script down. Let's give this some like, you know, comic book story beats. So we understand the difference between a comic book story and an actual screenplay or graphic novel and a screenplay. And I was like, we'll break this down. We'll sit. We'll have Skype calls so we can get a better feel for this. And so like there's that, too. Um then you take personal life. Okay, I am engaged. When is the wedding going to be? Well, until coronavirus goes away, I have no fucking idea. So, you know, but you have a relationship. So you have to maintain balances within your relationship because right. if you don't, everything goes to shit. Definitely. Um, and plus, I love my fiance. Uh, I love her to death. You know, she's a wonderful person. She's been extremely supportive. She's been in my corner, um, you know, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful, but still, you have to make, you have to make, time for, you you need you 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 want to and you want and need to make time you want to because if 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 not what are you doing this for um then there's the dogs we have two dogs got to make sure the dogs get quality time too the special pups love them to tears they've changed my life and yeah, um and trying to balance all that out plus your friendships your family and things like that and so i just break it down Sometimes I break it down into like a monthly schedule. Sometimes it's just like in my head and I have to, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. We got to do this. We got to do this. But I'm getting older. I'm like, you know, damn good and well, you need to put this on a damn notepad because you're going to forget that, you, <laughs> that, that something's due. So I've been using the notepad more and more, you know, more and more because even I, even even my fiance is like, uh, you, did you didn't, didn't you have something due? And I was like, what? And she's like, didn't you write it down? I'm like, oh, hell, let me go look at my emails. It's crap. You know, so. <laughs> So like um you got a just, forensic detective your own life. Yes, yes, no doubt, no doubt. CSI, Sean's Lost Projects. Like it just <laughs> constant. You know, it, it's constant. But like and also learning how to make time for me. That's one thing I really struggle with because like I feel like if I'm not creating something or if I'm not helping someone or if I'm not spending time, you know, with my fiance or my family, that that like not that I'm missing out, but like that's where I'm supposed to be. But I'm like, Sean, you deserve time for yourself too. I'm not used to giving to myself. Yeah. And that is something that I am sincerely trying to learn how to do better, to do better about. And um, it's been a process. But um, that's also a key thing too. It's just that um, I've had this creative mind since I was like four years old. And, and like I just, for the first time in my life, like I said, I really feel that that yeah, I'm I'm going to make it now. Not to say that I didn't I, that I didn't before on these Kickstarters in the past, um, or like you know some of the books that I've written for Capstone in, in like the last couple of years. But I really feel like now I'm going to make it on my terms, and um, and so now I'm like I, I I can't I can't stop, and no one ever said I was going to stop. But um, and I didn't say I was going to stop, but I need to 
balance all of this. But I really hope I answer that question because sometimes I go like 55 different points. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot in there, but I'm going to tell you what I love. You got a five-year plan, you got a 10-year plan for your career, whatever it is. A lot of times people don't factor into those plans. I also have to live my life. Yeah. And that was integral to everything you were just talking about there. And I really love that because it's important. Yeah. Um, and then what also in that we hear that scheduling is obviously very important and how you break that down. And I think within that, we heard work for hire. We heard more Kickstarters. We heard pitches going out to publishers. And I even heard the word screenplay in there. So that's four big definite things that you're trying to scale over time. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're keeping all those balls in the air. So, mm -hmm. no, man, I, that was a really good answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really awesome. And congratulations, by the way, Sean. We kind of glossed over. Yeah, I know. Rolling, I didn't want to interrupt you, but congratulations on that, by the way. Oh, yes. thank you so much. That's thank excellent. you. I'm sorry you're, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry coronavirus has fucked up so many things this year, not even mentioning, <laughs> like, people actually got sick. But yeah. uh, it's, it's. It's a shame that you guys are having to put that on hold, but you know, you're you're you sound like you guys are definitely solid enough to wait till the right time. Yeah, we're working it out. We're working it out. So, uh, you know, hopefully like maybe late 2021 we can we can have a nice wedding. If not, we just have to <clears throat> roll it into 2022. Yeah. Actually, I, I heard somebody say that uh, her son got married and they basically scaled it down to the immediate families and everybody mm. else was on the internet. And she said, "You know, it was so nice because we thought we wouldn't ha we we had FaceTime with the other family that we wouldn't have had had it been a big event. And yeah. so it was that she actually said there was like really good things that came out of the tiny little intimate wedding. So I think you can get a lot out of that even if you go the other way. I mean, yeah. we did a drive-through high school graduation this year. Mm. And they made it into something that was fun. And, you know, I keep telling my kid, it's like, this sucks. But the weird shit you're having this year is unlike anybody else has ever experienced or we hope ever will. Mm. And people are trying to be innovative and do awesome things outside of the norm. So I'm not telling you to have your wedding now. I'm just saying if you guys do decide, screw it, let's go ahead and get married you can make something really cool out of it. Yes. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And like I said, we feel, you know, we, we, we feel we'll find the right time to yeah. where, you know, it's safe for everyone. And, and if we have to pare it down, you know, so be it. Um, you know, we will do, we will do what's necessary and we'll do what's right. Because like I said, people's safety is important. Yeah. And, um, you know, because like I said, I'm not trying to have nobody killed on my watch. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I no, 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 I, I can't have that. I've dealt with, I've dealt with enough death over like the last five years alone. So, uh, so no, 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 no. Safety is key. And uh, we want to make sure people get taken care of properly and have a good time. So exactly that, that, that means more than anything else. That's what it's all supposed to be about, man. And I know one way or another you're going to get there, man. It's going to be awesome. And uh, we wish you all the happiness in the world. Brother. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I do. And, and I want to say, you know, thank you to both of y'all, both of y'all, because like when I met y'all, at, at the castle all those years ago like i'm a person that like you, know, you see me talking on this podcast and, and whatnot and and like i i can be loud and i can like you know say this and say that but for the most part a lot of people call me an introverted extrovert mm -hmm. <laughs> um where like I, once i know you 
once I know you, we're good. But for like a lot, for like, but in the beginning, a lot of times I just keep to myself. Um, I, I keep to myself. But if I get to know somebody and I'm like, oh, you know what? These, these folks are all right. Okay, let's go ahead and just let's, let's hang on and just talk, talk a little bit. Um, you know, and, you know, build friendships from there. But for the most part, I'm very, uh, I keep to myself, um, you know. But, um, you know, when y'all invited me to, like, you know, y'all's tables to play these games, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and, you know, you're just talking about life and, like, and, and publishing and writing and and all this stuff. And because um, that's where I also met Natalie, uh, Natalie Metzger. Yes. Um, yeah, we love Metz. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I still, I still like, I've, I've supported her Patreon. I want to say maybe for like almost like ever since then. Ever since then, I've supported her Patreon. And dude, how awesome is that art you get every month? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's amazing. She's great. She, she is so great. Yes. And um, but the thing is, and this is the one thing about like creatives and whatnot, and I've I've seen this more outside of comics. And I'm saying that everybody in comics is a jerk or asshole or is mean. It's just that the people that I've talked to that have like worked in fields outside of comics have had a tendency to be more open, more kind, um, more accepting. And yes, you know those areas got assholes too. Yeah, they got terrible people. They got terrible people too. But my experiences outside of comics have always been so much better. And I just want to thank you both for your kind, your kindness, because like um, that goes a long way with me. And so, thank you. Hey, man, coming from a, a, a pair of fellow introverts, uh, I think we recognize that in you and just wanted to make it easier. So, and that's <laughs> not a burden at all. Yeah. And uh, I think we also recognize that you were in a castle in the middle of the woods full of mostly strange white people. In that <laughs> yes. So, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was, uh... Yeah, I, dr- I drank a lot of mead that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of mead to be had, thank God, for yeah. That always yeah. helps, too. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can see you at the castle again in the future. Hopefully we can go to the castle again in the future. But uh, I hope so, I hope so too. If not, if not twenty twenty one, hopefully twenty twenty two. Yes, because I mean you're one of the people I've missed since I've I've been. It's like uh, Sean coming this year. Damn it! So yeah, it's it's you have been missed, and I, I I appreciate the kind things you said to us. But dude, you you, it's not like it's hard to to welcome you because you're you're awesome. So okay. it's been it's it's been awesome to get to know you, and I'm sorry we have never talked about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because I don't know if I've ever read your bio on Kickstarter, and don't know how we've never talked about that. But uh, I was in college in 1991, uh-huh. and right when Mighty Morphin Power Rangers were on TV for the Amer- for America, and um, I was I was a little too obsessed for an 18 year old, but I was <laughs> so. Yeah, I, 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 we need to sit down at some point with some mead, and yes. possibly talk about the Power Rangers. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good yeah. with that. Trust me, I, I'm good with that. Yeah, that's the, I, I joke, I jokingly, jokingly say to friends, that's the holy grail. That's the holy grail, grail project right there. Um, like, I even for fun, I did a twenty-something uh, page Power Rangers comic in television continuity um, with artist George Cambadays. And um, it's no, thank you, thank you. It is yes, available for free on, on my Gumroad site. And um, shit, because, I didn't like, know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh man, no. Yeah, Sean, for, uh, like, I, I, that, I will. That is um, a Power Rangers comic for Power Rangers lovers, man. Highly recommend that. Oh yeah, I'll, well, my, I'll, I'll, I'll 
I'll DM you the link, Mur. I will DM you the link. Yeah, and Matt will put it in the show notes so everyone can know. Okay. Cool. Oh, yeah, all of the things will be in the show notes. Speaking <laughs> of which, I hate to I hate to keep keep this crash come make this come crashing down, but we really do need to be wrapping up here. Gotcha. Shortly. Yes, I'm sorry. I just wanted to bring up the Power Rangers because if I ever have a chance to bring up the Power Rangers, you know I will. Oh, it's no, never no. the wrong thing to do, Mark. Yeah. We, <laughs> Sean, you will be back, and we can discuss that more. We can do a whole Power Rangers episode. I don't care. It's 2020. Who cares? We can do whatever we want. Yeah, <laughs> no, no kidding. Um, yeah, and I, I'd like to actually do the whole let, let's work on that five-year plan thing again because you, you, you went through some amazing bullet points, but... Um, yeah, I think I think I want to delve a little bit deeper into that. So we'd love to have you back, Sean. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 always around. Um, and I would love to be back. And um, that that would be awesome. That 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 would be awesome. Yes, yes, please. Good. Excellent. Well, Sean, if you want to uh, let everyone know what you got going on and where to find you and all the relevant shilling, that would be okay. Good. So, sounds good. This here's the plan. Here's the plan. Okay, if you want to back the Fire Within Kickstarter. Um, all you have to do is there's two ways. You can go to Kickstarter.com, and in the search in the search header, type the fire within, and you know hit enter, and then you'll see the project, and you can you know check it out, play the little video, and support the project that way. Or if you don't want to do it that way, you can just type in the fire within story.com. Once again, the fire within story.com, in in your web browser, and it will take you straight to the Kickstarter page. Um, and that's another Kickstarter tip too, um, to make things easy for people. If they can't remember like a super long Kickstarter link, uh, get a domain that is from, you know, that's, that's, you know, uh, similar to your story or, or just get a name of your project, get that name, uh, domain name and link it hyper, like link it to your Kickstarter. Wow. It just makes it easier for people. Um, you know, it makes it easier for people that like, say for instance, if you're not on social media or, um, or like you're talking with somebody, just be like, listen, just go to the firewithinstory.com. Boom, it'll take you right there. So that's something also that a Kickstarter tip that, that can be used. Um, so yes, kickstarter.com, search the fire within. The firewithinstory.com takes you to the Kickstarter page as well. Um, you can find me on Twitter at um, Sean, S-H-A-W-N-R, Pryor, P-R-Y-O-R. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the Sean P. Show. If you want to see like uh, books that I've written or collaborated on, you can go to seanprior.com. That will take you to my Amazon page because I've been busy and I haven't had time <laughs> to build a web page, and that's not on my bullet point list. So, um, so it's got to wait. <laughs> uh, and, and then, um, last but not least, I have some other works that like I've done for fun um, that can be found on my Gumroad page. Uh, that's Gumroad dot com slash crown taker studios um i did an eight page mini comic with bryce Aquoye and melissa caprileone and justin birch um it's a flintstone short called the pebbles problem and it answers the question of why barney was always trying to steal fred's cereal <laughs> so you just kind of blew my fucking mind, man. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. And the thing is, no lie, I wrote that story a year and a half ago, and then Bryce did the artwork for it. We put it out a few months ago. And the thing is, it really relates to what's going on right now. Oh, my um, God. You know, not with the coronavirus. I'm talking about every, but everything that the coronavirus has caused in yeah. this country. 
it, right. it really, in a lot of ways, a lot of people can relate to it. Um, so it's called The Pebbles Problem. Uh, there's also a, a digital cash and carry coloring book there. Um, there's also the Power Rangers comic called Total Eclipse uh, with art by George Cambadays. And um, there is also Motherless Creatures, a comic that I did years ago with uh, co-creator Tracina Bowling. So uh, so there you go. So those are all the things. That's Fantastic. a lot of things. Uh, I'll get. I'll make sure that we have links to all of that in the show notes on the website so you can check out all of Sean's stuff. Uh, Sean is a friend, but I will tell you objectively, Sean makes amazing things, and you should go consume all of them, dear <laughs> listeners. My my daughter's read many of Sean's things and has always been a fan. So uh, if you've got kids, then yep, check out his stuff, Cash well, and Carry, and and like so many things. The Fire Within. I can't wait. I'm gonna have to support it right now. Oh, I don't know you. why I haven't already. What's wrong with me? It, it, look, look, we all busy. We're all busy. Yeah. Everything is going on right right now. Like because it's, once again, it's 2020. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like. You know, remember when we was kids and like 2020 would come on Friday nights on ABC and be like, oh, OK, this is this is this is for the adults. So I guess I got to go upstairs. It's time for bed. <laughs> you know, who knew that like 2020 would turn from like like uh, like a, a late night news show to one of the worst fucking years of all time. Oh, my God. I never like, thought of that. I forgot about that show. Mm -hmm. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. Hey, you know, heart heart to heart would be on. And then yeah, once heart yeah. to heart went off, yeah. you're like, oh, it's 2020. Damn, I got to go to bed. That's right. That's right. Heart to heart. It's like, yeah, it's time. It's boring. No, adult stuff. Gross. Yes. Yeah, Sean, yes, I think we're like about a year apart. So, yeah, I remember all that stuff. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Yeah, so, but I remember it too. We had, we had, we had FX when I was a kid back when all, when all FX did was show old shows. I watched Heart to Heart all the time, you know. Uh, that, that's, that's my show. Steph, oh, I had such a crush on Stephanie Powers when I was a kid. Lord have mercy. Oh, uh, <laughs> You're not, you're not alone there. Uh, <laughs> Mer, you shill things now. Shilling things. Um, I don't have anything super hot going on at the moment, but if you want to see my stuff, I have uh, Merverse.com. You can see my book, uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story, the novelization, uh, Six Wakes, which was a multi-award-nominated book out a couple of years ago. Um, I am so close to turning in my book. Like, it's done I'm just trying to polish off like the the potato chip smudges and the the rough edges and turn it in, but uh, it doesn't have a name. But I'm calling it the Untitled Space Murder Book, or uh, ba Babylon Five meets Miss Fisher, um, or <laughs> nice. Murder She Wrote. Whether I like you, that too, yeah. But I think Untitled Space Murder Book is going to be what they go with, honestly. I think that's the way to play it. You know, I, I got drunk at a con and texted my agent saying, you know, the Untitled Goose Game has been awesome, so we need to call, need to like piggyback on that and call the book The Untitled Murder Space Story. And she wrote back, I love you. We're not calling it that. <laughs> well, I disagree in this instance. I think that's a marketing bonanza. I think that. so, too. Actually, uh, Alistair told me I should have... Um, alternate book jackets printed you know like cameron hurley did lesbians in space right uh then i should have like untitled space murder book printed for people to buy at cons yes. that's all i want now in fact i want that to put on every book i read i want to make every <laughs> book untitled space murder book anyway i'm also streaming on twitch.com or twitch.tv slash mighty mer i'm doing live i should be writing so i'm doing amas on mondays and i'm doing gaming Thursday nights and Sunday afternoons because I want to date pigeons and um, 
hate Pierre from Stardew Valley and want to watch people to watch me do it. So that's what I've got going on. What? You're just a media mogul these days. I know. That's awesome. I know. Good. Uh, well, as everyone knows, because I talk about it ad nauseum, I have a book out right now. My Do you? Epic Fantasy, Savage Legion. It's been out, been out about a month. Everyone loves it, Mer. I know. Everyone in the world, except the person listening to this who hasn't yet bought the book, loves it. And that one person needs to go get it so they're not left out. I'm going to tell he you just, that right now. He's not lying. Somebody in the Discord said, like, the week it came out that he'd already read it twice. It's just that good. I don't know it's, what to tell you. I'm not lying. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's that good. So if you want to go ahead and grab that, Savage Legion, the next one's coming out next year. I'm very proud of it. People are digging it. I'd like you to dig it, too. And that's all I'm going to show, Mark. It's a mic drop on Savage Legion right there. There you go. Sean, it's always a delight to talk to you. I don't know why we waited this long to get you back on the show, but I think that's all on me and Matt. So welcome Definitely. back. Should not be much longer before we have you on again because you, you, you have so much wisdom you have the wisdom to share with the masses thank you oh, well no no thank you thanks thank you I, I had a wonderful time and uh and now i'm going to uh, eat some eat some dinner and uh and then like pull and pry myself away from this computer for the rest of the evening uh hopefully and like tell myself no you know no, no more working no more working this evening let's just eat some dinner let's chill out and uh oh that's right we got cake yeah yeah Whoa. That's, the that's the plan <laughs> Cake. cake is the best motivation. Okay. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is wonderful. Anyway, check out Sean's stuff. He's made so many things, and he will make so many more things. And you will have wished you got it. You got his stuff when it was cool. Before it was cool. I'm running out of things to say. The hipster thing. Just end the show. We can yeah, just end the show. show. Sean, we love you. I'm sorry I'm awkward. Oh, no problem. Love y'all too. <laughs> You can support us at patreon.com slash mightymurr. Ditch Diggers! Theme song by Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com